recently, I heard about a company who's running a contest for the most creative wedding proposal. And the grand prize for the winner is a lifetime supply of eggs. Which we all laugh, but in the back of our minds, we're thinking about the recent prices of eggs, and we all know that that would be a pretty nice prize to win. I remember as a kid growing up and thinking, whenever I heard about these lifetime supply prizes, that they were just the coolest thing I'd ever heard of. The idea of getting something over and over for the rest of your life. That sounded so neat to me. Uh, but apparently, that's not always quite how it works. I saw a story online not too long ago about a man who supposedly won a lifetime supply of WD-40. And he was sent a grand total of four cans. And maybe for some of us, that's about how much WD-40 we would use in a lifetime. But the thing is, I started to realize the more I looked into this, that the, the phrase lifetime supply is was pretty subjective for companies. Take the story of Frank. Frank entered a contest and he won a lifetime supply of toilet paper. So a couple months after he won, he got a message that there was a delivery form at the post office. Went and sure enough, there were two pallets there of toilet paper. He did everything that he could to fill his small car with it, took individual rolls and shoved them in every nook and cranny that he could find. And every few months, about 400 more rolls would arrive for Frank. More and more they kept on coming. It got to the point where he didn't even know what to do with it all. He, he stored it everywhere. He made furniture out of it. He gifted it to people. He was the toilet paper king. But then after a few years, the delivery stopped. No more, no more toilet paper came for Frank. But that's when he found out that what the company had done is they calculated about how much toilet paper someone his age would use over their lifetime, and they just sent it all to him within a few years. But Frank didn't know that, and he gave a lot of it away. So today, Frank buys toilet paper at the store like the rest of us. It really didn't work out quite the way that he, he thought it would. But for most of us, we think of things that are supposed to last a lifetime like that lifetime warranty we might have on something. And we expect that that's going to last forever. That, that that lifetime thing won't end. It won't be taken from of us. Uh, of course, we also realize that in life, that's just, that's not always the reality. But what about in our spiritual lives? As Christians, the moment we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we received salvation. That is, we were forgiven of all our sins, we were saved from the penalty of hell, and we received eternal life. But through the centuries, many Christians have wondered to themselves, will I always have these things, or, or can I lose them? Can I lose my salvation? What if I don't do enough good, or have enough faith? Can my salvation be taken away? Sadly, there are those who will teach that a Christian can lose their salvation. But what we need to ask is, what does the Bible say? Last week, if you were with us, we saw why we as Christians believe in the Bible and why we ought to follow it and give it priority in our lives. So this morning, we're going to see why we believe that once you are saved, you are always saved. And we're going to see this by looking at what the Bible says. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible... I encourage you to use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 
988. Page 988, 1 John chapter 5. Just like last week, I want to let everyone know, we're going to be jumping around a little bit to some different passages, so follow along as best you can. If I move too quick at any point, I'd encourage you at least jot these references down so you can look at them at home this week. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, says this. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And let's stop right here. Let's start at the beginning. What do we mean when we talk about eternal life as Christians? That's a a phrase we throw around a lot in church. Well, the Bible is clear that after this life, we're all going to spend an eternity forever somewhere. And the Bible tells us that there are only two options. The first option is what the Bible calls death, eternal death or eternal punishment. And that takes place in a place called hell. The Bible tells us that that's what all of us deserve. Because hell is the just punishment for our sins. Of course, we're going to talk more about hell later in our sermon series together. The other option is eternal life. Eternal life is the guarantee of being pardoned from the penalty of hell and living forever in the perfect presence of our Lord after this life. And whichever option you're talking about, this is about eternity. Forever is a long time. Think of eternity like this. If there was a rock, a single rock, that was a mile high, a mile wide, and a mile thick, and every 100 years, a bird flew to that rock to sharpen its beak, and then flew away until another century had passed. Well, by the time that rock was finally whittled away to nothing by that bird, eternity would still just be beginning. Eternity, it's long, because it never ends. So we should ask, well, okay, who has eternal life then? 1 John chapter 5 says that it's those who believe in the name of the Son of God. They have the eternal life that he offers. In other words, eternal life only comes from Jesus. Eternal life does not come from attending church. It doesn't come from being a good person or from being an American. Eternal life doesn't come from regularly praying. Or from obeying God's law. Eternal life doesn't come from having Christian relatives. Listen to this. Eternal life does not come from being baptized. Eternal life comes to those who have the Son. And the only way we can have the Son of God as our Savior is if we have gone to Him in faith, accepting His death on the cross for our sins, believing in His resurrection from the dead, and confessing Him as our Lord. John says that if you've done that, then you have eternal life. Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 3, verse 36. Jesus said that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. So believer, the moment that you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, you've had eternal life. Just like how, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says that you were reconciled to God. 
That at that moment, you were adopted into God's family. You became a citizen of heaven, a part of the body of Christ. The righteousness of Jesus was put on your account so that you could be pardoned from the penalty of hell. On that day, you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. All these things belong to those who are in Jesus Christ. And they belong to you right now, just like eternal life. But that means if we could lose eternal life, well, then we can lose all these other things too. So we have to ask, can we be cut off from the body of Christ? Well, the Bible nowhere talks about an amputation like that taking place. Can we be cast out of the family of God? Well, the Bible never says that we can return to being children of the devil and children of wrath. Well, can we lose our citizenship in heaven? The Bible never says that citizenship can be revoked. Can what God has made a new creation deteriorate back into what was old? Can we lose our pardon? Here's the big one. Can we be re-condemned to hell? Well, how could we be? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Church, the first reason why we believe that once you are saved, you're always saved, is because those who have Jesus Christ have eternal life. And if we could lose eternal life at any point, even for just a moment, well, then it was never eternal to begin with. It is ours forever, just like all these other blessings. If we have Christ, we have eternal life. Yet there are some who will say, but maybe we won't always have Christ. That if you commit a certain sin or enough sins, that Jesus won't want you anymore. That he'll push you away. He'll take that salvation back from you. Years ago, a dear Christian woman wrote a poem that I think speaks well to this, and a modern reading of it goes something like this. One day I sinned, and right away Satan flew to the presence of the Most High God. He made an accusation there and said, This soul, this thing of clay and sod, has sinned. It's true that he's named your name, but I demand his death, for you have said, The soul that sinned shall die. Shall not thy sentence be fulfilled? Is your justice dead? Send now this wretched sinner to his doom. What other thing can a righteous ruler do? And thus he accused me day and night, and every word he spoke, O God, was true. Then quickly, one rose up from God's right hand, before whose glory angels veiled their eyes. Jesus said, each letter and word of the law must be fulfilled. The guilty sinner dies. But wait, Jesus said. Suppose that all his guilt were transferred to me, and that I paid his penalty. Behold, my hands, my side, my feet. One day I was made sin for him and died that he might be presented faultless at the Father's throne. And at that Satan fled away, full well he knew that he could not prevail against such love, because every word my dear Lord spoke was true. Christians, will our sins rob us of salvation? No. 
Believer, the sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient to save you just as it is sufficient to keep you saved. And God has promised us in Hebrews 13 that he will never leave us nor forsake us. God knows that we will still sin. He knows every wrong move we will make. He knows the weakness of our faith. To think that he would move our salvation at some later date is to trample the word and the greatness of God and the sacrifice of our Savior. If we could lose our salvation and then we're required to seek it all over again, well then we would, as the author of Hebrews says, we would be crucifying the Son of God all over again. God has said that we have eternal life through our faith in Christ and his sacrifice. And eternal life, it's eternal. It doesn't end. Let's see what else, though, we received at the moment of salvation. Let's turn, if you're following along, to Ephesians chapter 1. If you're using one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary, turn to page 947. 947, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 13, we read this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So what's this telling us? Well, the moment someone puts their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within them. So listen, if you're here and you don't have the Holy Spirit, well then that means that you don't have Jesus, that you do not have eternal life, that you are not saved. Here, we are told that the Holy Spirit is the believer's seal. He's the deposit the down payment, the guarantee that we're going to receive all the things God has promised us, including eternal life. Now, at the time that this was written in Ephesians chapter 1, there were two of the things that a seal did is that it provided security for something and it showed ownership. Like with a document, it would do these things. So get this, believer. The Holy Spirit keeps us secure in Jesus Christ, and shows that we belong to God. We belong to God. You see, we believe that once you are saved, you are always saved, because not only do we have him, but he has us. God has marked us with a seal as his very own. We belong to God. Now, of course, some will say, okay, the Christian belongs to God. And God will never leave them nor forsake them. But we can leave him. They'll say that the Christian can throw away their salvation. One day, two men were having a discussion about the very same thing. The first man believed that the Christian can lose his salvation. He said to his friend, he said, think of it like this. So the child of God is safe so long as he remains in the lifeboat but he can jump out. And if he does, he's lost. His friend looked at him and said, you know, that reminds me of when I took my young son out on a boat. He said, I knew the danger of him jumping or falling into the water better than he did. 
So the whole time I sat there holding him so that he wouldn't fall or jump out. And the first man said, aha, but your son could have wiggled out of that life vest and gotten away from you. And the father said, well, you misunderstand if you think that I was holding on to the life vest. He said, no, I was holding on to him. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Believers, we are held in God's hands. Who, who's great enough to snatch us away from Him? Who's strong enough to do that? The answer is no one, not even the devil. Who, what, what sin then can break us from the grip of His love? The answer is none, because Jesus already died for them all. If no man, no sin, no devil or demon can break the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then why would we ever think that we can? Well, can we wander from him? Sure, yes, we can. But let's not think that the God who created and holds all things together cannot still hold you in the midst of your foolish wandering. Nothing will ever cause God to lose his good grip on you, believer. If some sin or failure, if some stubbornness on our part could cause our fall and could cause us to lose salvation, well, then Jesus, who is wrong in John chapter 10, that would mean that we aren't forever his. That would mean that we can perish, that we can be snatched away. That would mean that his word doesn't mean anything. But Christians, we know that isn't true. We are convinced of better things. We also know the truth of Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, which says that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has us, believers, firmly in his grasp and forever in his family. We believe that once you are saved, you're always saved because the Bible is clear that God will never leave you and he will never lose you. So I want to encourage you. Believer, if you're ever reading the Bible and you come to a passage that's tough to understand, it's a little confusing. You look at it and it makes you say, Does this, is this saying that my salvation can be lost? It doesn't quite make sense. When you encounter something like this, I want you to remember this. A, a pastor once put it this way. He said, we interpret the obscure by the obvious. Remember that. We interpret the obscure by the obvious. In other words, when you come to a verse, it's difficult to understand. Look to other verses in the Bible on the same subject that are easy to understand, that make it very clear, and it will help you understand those difficult passages. You see, it's obvious throughout Scripture that salvation, eternal life, once it's received, it'll never be lost. You've got him, and he's got you. Remember that when you come to those tough passages. But here's the thing. 
Not everyone has him. The Bible is also clear that not everyone who professes to follow Jesus has been saved by Jesus. You see, many people give lip service to him, but they've never given their life to him. There's an old story about a man by the name of Simpson who built his house at the Canford Cliffs in England. And a lot of people tried to warn him. He was building his house too close to the edge. It was dangerous. But he ignored all the warnings because he was confident. He was confident in the the strength of the house and the position of it. He was confident that he would be safe. But his confidence was in all the wrong things. And sure enough, soon the house collapsed. And the pile of ruins on the beach became known as Simpson's Folly. You know, the folly of many people today is that they have put their confidence about eternity in the wrong things. They think that as long as they're close to the things of Christ, like attending church, or owning a Bible, speaking highly about God, serving in the church, that because of things like this, that they have eternal life. They have no idea the danger that's lurking. That at any moment, their life could end, and they will stand before the Lord with nothing to show for it. Just a heap of foolish unbelief and sin that will separate them forever from God because they ignored the clear warnings of the gospel. You see, for a lot of people, their confidence is in the things of Christ, but their faith is not in Christ. I want us all to hear what Jesus warned about. If you're following along, you turn to Matthew chapter 7. If you're using one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary, you can turn to page 788. 788, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus is speaking. Let's listen to his warning. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform any miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, what Jesus is saying is that there are people who will do great things in his name. They'll teach the Bible. They'll do great projects at churches. They'll go on mission trips. They'll lead these things. They'll profess to be saved, but they never knew him. They never put their faith in him. They never had him as their savior. They were never his in the first place. The reason I bring this up is because, friend, do not think that the eternal security of the Christian means that because you sit in a church sanctuary, that means that you are eternally saved. There is a reason that the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. It's because there are many people in churches who are not. And sadly, there are many people who try and pervert the beauty of our eternal security. They try and twist it into a license to sin or to walk away from God as though it was some free pass to live however they want those supposed Christians should examine themselves 
because countless of them will find that they are not in the faith. Those of us who are, who have sincerely gone to Jesus in faith and given our lives to him, we can rest assured that we have him, he has us, and we will never lose the salvation that he's given us. So if you're here and you are in Christ, I want you to be encouraged. You have eternal life. And if you have eternal life, well, that will never end. It will never be taken from you. It will never be lost. The Bible doesn't tell us we can lose our salvation and eternal life because of particular sins and failures of faith. We are told that followers of Jesus will and should produce the fruit of righteousness in their lives. We are told to test ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. We are told that many people think they are saved, but they're not. Just as we are told that those of us who are saved will always be saved. Which I think should lead us to ask a final question, which is, why does this truth even matter? Why does it matter that we know that we are saved forever? We have this eternal security. Our eternal security in Christ isn't about getting a free pass to sin. We're going to look at that more next week, by the way. There's something very important, though, about us understanding these truths we've talked about this morning. You see, there will be moments, Christians, when we sin, when we struggle, when our faith fails. And you see, that that's when our enemy, the devil, comes in the weakness of those moments and he whispers in our ears and says, you really did it this time. There's no way that God's going to forgive you after that. It's all over. God doesn't want you back. He's done with you. You might as well go back to living the way that you did before. And Christians, it's in those moments when we feel that we've fallen too far, we've gotten too dirty to be cleaned up again, when we feel that we've doubted too much, it's in those moments when we can remember the truth that there is nothing in creation, that there is nothing we can do, that there is nothing the devil can do that will separate us from God. And so in those moments, we can run back to his loving embrace because he never left us in the first place. Church, the truth this morning is this. Those who have been saved through faith in Christ are guaranteed eternal life. It's a guarantee. That much is clear in the Bible. It's obvious that salvation, eternal life, once received, it won't be lost. So, have you received it? Have you received that eternal life? I would encourage each of us this morning to examine ourselves, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, to see whether or not we are in the faith. And if you examine yourself and you find that you are, then you have a great reason to rejoice this morning. But if you examine yourself and you genuinely realize you never gave your life to Christ, you don't have him. He doesn't have you. You don't have that eternal life that he promises. Is That's where you're at. Friend, please understand, nothing that you or I or any of us could do is sufficient to get us to heaven. But Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead is sufficient to save us. 
and he is sufficient to keep us saved until that day that we step into his presence. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you have never done that, I want you to be able to do that before you leave. Let's pray together. Friend, if that's where you're at, if you're here and you just don't know if Jesus is your Savior, friend, examine yourself. And if you don't know that you know that you know that you are saved, understand that all of that can change right now. If you are willing to go to Jesus Christ in prayer, if you are willing to go to him in faith, he will save you forever. He will forgive you of all your sins. He will bring you into the family of God. He will be your Savior, and that will never change. If you're ready to make that decision, you can go to Jesus, and you can pray something simple like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But Jesus, I know you died on the cross for my sins. Now I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, today I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. Today, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Father, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning who's made that decision, that they'll tell someone before they leave so that the church can rejoice with them. I pray if there's anyone here who hasn't done that, that they'd be willing to come and talk with me during this final song. And for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, Father, help us to be the most joyful people. Because in this life, we can lose everything in this world. We can lose our possessions. We can lose our health. We can lose our loved ones. We'll never lose our relationship with you. And so I pray that we would be a church that is filled with rejoicing because no matter what happens in this life, no matter what comes our way, you are always with us. And that is reason to rejoice. Father, we love you, but the promise and the truth that once we are saved, we are always saved, that proves that you love us more. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.